Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Sea Worker Chronicles podcast by Maritime Journal, where you'll hear the latest in the commercial marine industry. No expense was spared by US-based marine engine maker Cummins on the opening of its 15th master rebuild centre in the world, the first in Europe. Press and prospective customers were invited to a half-day tour and presentations at the brand new factory in Krakow, which when we were there wasn't quite full with all its equipment, but had already started operating. Alan Routledge, who's actually based in Brisbane, Australia, has been seconded to Krakow to take over the management until it's properly up and running sometime next year. He took one of the several groups invited on the tour around the modern facility. So my name is Alan, Alan Routledge. I'm from Australia. Um, I'm working with Poland for a few months just to help them get the MRC off the ground and operational. Um, my day job's MRC leader in Brisbane and I've been with the company 35 years. So I'll, I'll walk you through the main MRC. So this just looks like, to me, it looks like any, any regular sort of wash pad, but it is special. We've got a special filtration system down there that goes through into the shop and we'll show you the tanks inside. While, we, while we've got a bit of time, the tanks inside have got some biological um, sort of a bacteria in that eats the, the carbons and the, cleans the, the water. So it's sort of self-sustaining. We, we've got to take care of the thing because the, the bacteria can die and then it's not affected. So um, it's, it's a fully automa automatic system. You can just about blast anything in here and it's all, all been certified as safe to, to, for this environment. I'll take you on the tour as if it's a, a service exchange type rebuild that we're doing. So we sell the customer a completed engine. He takes the engine out or she takes the engine out of the machine. They put the new one in and we get the old car back. So the return car is where our process starts if we're doing re reconditioned service exchange. So it comes in here, it gets pre-washed and then it goes into the, the main operation there, which the first stage is disassembly. It's a, it's a start up. We have to, we have to recognize that this is new to Europe, this, this methodology of service exchange engines and bringing them back to a major repair center. So the first year is gonna be a, a steady start up for the operation. And I think within 12 months, we're hoping they'll be doing 150, 200 engines a year. So this area here is our disassembly area. Um, they sort of alluded to some of the equipment's not actually arrived yet that we need. There's a couple of rollover stands that have been delayed through supply chain and you know vendors that have not delivered yet. But in this area there, we'll, we'll disassemble the engine. So the, there's a, a device that turns the engine over you're not climbing, the engine rotates to the operator and it's a lot more ergonomic and controlled. The part, the engine gets fully disassembled in these two bays and then the material moves down into the cleaning process. In this process, we've got a standard bill of materials. So pistons, wear parts, we're not gonna clean those parts, they're gonna get discarded. We only take the material that's going to be reused and, and clean that to a standard where it can be used, reused. Um, we use recon components, so Cummins Recon has got its own recon material division, and then those parts are, are introduced into our process, so like cylinder heads, we're not going to buy brand new cylinder heads, there's a whole recon process that, that already provides those to Cummins customers, and we're one of those customers in the rebuild centre. So. Heads come off, they go back to recon, conrods, water pumps, 
the, the scrap parts get discarded at that point and then we're left with housings and casings, a block and a crank basically and that's what we take through the cleaning process. So this is bacon blast. Now you might be wondering the, the process logically is to clean it and then blast it. That makes sense in my head but that blast, that bake machine there operates at about a thousand degrees F so it's super hot. It's got all the afterburner and it's vented so there's going to be some heat from that. We didn't want the heat on top of the on top of the employees working in the disassembly area so that gives us a little bit of separation there. Um, the floors potentially reverse but I think we've got to consider the employees there and in summer it's going to get hot so we put the, the product in the machine we load it with these big wheels these big wheels have been designed for the components so we've got sets for each engine platform so cylinder heads if we was to clean them but in in an ultimate we wouldn't we'd discard them but all the other components are designed to bolt to these rotating wheels that's lifted into the into the bank machine with the big overhead crane the is it 15 to 20 15 ton crane or the three and a half ton crane and it goes in there and I, I believe the cycle lasts about an hour and a half and after one and a half hours that comes out it's allowed to cool for a little while and it's loaded into this machine this machine then hits all the components with little beads of stainless steel which are about 0.8 of a millimeter so they're very small and that machine's got a big um, sort of blower system. It's not air. It just flicks all the, the beads up into the product, into the cleaning tank, and it's going quite high speed. And it's pounding, but pounding at a controlled level with these tiny beads, which takes all the rust off, any carbon that's been burnt, and the parts come out as, as new. You know, the surfaces are as new. So once we've got them clean, we can start inspecting. If we find a, a component in that area that's damaged, we wouldn't clean it. We'd discard it, we'd record it, and that would be ordered as a new part. Remember this offering was a fixed price, so we, we put in what the engine, the difference between what we do, sorry, is the customer doesn't decide the quality of the engine. Cummins engineering principles decide the standard and the quality, so we have to control that. So we have a we have a process that if it's failed the test, it's not a, it's not a financial conversation. We put the new part in. The disassembly, cleaning, and inspection is is one of the most important parts of the process. I think they said that in the. If we miss a pro, miss a part and it's not right when we get to that stage, it stops the build. Now we've got an engine that's been disassembled. It's been cleaned. We've inspected the parts. Those parts go into a, a buffer and hopefully there's five or six in front of each one and then by the time all the materials arrived we can just start building and not stop. A marine 19 litre engine. So the difference between a marine and a regular industrial engine is this piece on the front, that's the main difference. So that's a heat exchanger. So what we do, that cools the water from the, usually from the sea or the ocean, is pumped into there. The engine coolant is self-contained. 
and there's a heat exchanger that cools the, the engine water and then it discharges the water. So it's just a, a heat exchanger. We, we, we're going to do up to 78 litre engines. So that's bigger than the, the engines over there, slightly bigger. How many staff are you going to have in the factory when it's fully operational? So if this is working at capacity, and this is all I can say, I don't know how long it's going to take to get to that. If it's working at its full capacity, it would have in the region of 60, 70 productive people working in it. And you'd be building 300 plus engines a year. So this is this is quite fancy, this. This is, this is our millipore stage. And what millipore is all about is we've cleaned the parts before we start assembling them and running them down that way towards test. We've got, basically we wash the part down with some fluid. That's all funneled into a container and it passes through a filter. The filter then is taken and dried in that heater at the end, there's a little oven. And then after that it gets weighed in these very sensitive weighing scales. So we weigh in, we know what the filter weighs before we start and we weigh it after we've dried it. And the, you know, the delta is contamination. So then we can have a look in the microscope and that's a really powerful microscope and see what it is and, and help us. If it's not met the standard, it has to go back and go through the process again. You know, the days of its hard work have disappeared. We're pressing buttons to tighten really tight bolts now. We've got cranes to lift everything. If you're lifting anything over 15 kilos, we're looking for a device to help you lift it now. The power packs, I call the power pack is a, a cylinder, a line, a connecting rod. What we do is we, we assemble them in the sub-assembly area and then off the little crane, we pick it up on a device which holds it horizontally, the block rotates and we just slide it in. There's no lifting, there's no fingers trapped, it just slides in. There's an operator on the other side that puts the caps on. By the time he's put the cap on and tightened it, this operator's got the next one in. So it's all about production flow and, and we come off the rollover stand with cylinder heads on and the crankshaft in and the, a few more components on the end. This is what we call high legs because they're high. Oh. <laughs> over that engine over there, you see that one, that, that beige one? That's low legs. So the engine comes off the rollover stand and it goes on to low legs. It's on low legs so we can put the turbos on. We're not climbing up. To put a turbo on here, we've got scaffolding and all sorts of ergonomic working at heights issues. So we bring the engine on low legs. We complete the top of the engine and then the engine's lifted and put on high legs. And now we can work on the sides and it's all designed so it's ergonomically friendly to the, to the bodies, you know, so you're not putting anybody under a lot of strain. Okay. The test cell. This is fancy, this. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's a bit quieter in here. That's because it's soundproofed. But this is as good as I've ever seen. And I've been with Cummins 35 years and I've never seen a test cell this fancy. <laughs> it's cost a lot of money and it's well engineered. This is obviously his exhaust systems there. There's all these blanking plates for different engines. So some need different configurations. These are the cooling systems. So what happens here is we've got outside, we've got a big 
cooling tower, like a little power station cooling tower. We've got water that circulates through there and it goes through a heat exchanger. The inside of the heat exchanger connects to the engine. So we've got a sealed system in the engine. We've got non-coolant that's not water. Water rusts if it's in stock a long time. The coolant is a preservative as well. So we can stand that engine for a number of months and it won't be any, there'll be no damage or no corrosion. There's two of those heat exchangers. One of them, one of them cools the engine and the other one needs even colder water to go through these. So the way to get power is to cool the air that's going into the engine. When you, when you pressurize it, when you spin it in a turbo, it heats there. So we're getting the pressure, but it's too hot to go in. So we have to cool it again. So we can after cool it. And on the bigger engines, we're intercool and after cool. So there's another system like that that looks after the second circuit of cooling. One's for the, the main engine and the other's for the, for the air induction system. That'll test. 4,250 horsepower, that's self. 4,250, yeah. And about 12,000 12, foot-pounds of torque. So we're talking about how it measures load here. So when, when the brake comes on, we push water through this big dynamometer. We push water through and that's, that's reversing the load. It's putting load on the engine. It's trying to slow the engine down. As it slows it down, if we put more water through, each one of these is a cell. If we fill it full of water, then the engine's under full load. What happens then is this actually rotates, not in circles, it just put, it starts to move. And there's this load cell here that measures the distance. And as it's putting under load, it's getting closer. It's only fractionally, but it, it can work out how much load is on the engine. We exceed the country standards for safety in a test cell dramatically. It's a coming standard which is much higher than the local government standards. So what's the sort of cost difference between getting say an ultimate and remanufactured engine to a new one? We, we target in between 70 and 80 percent of a new engine for a reconditioned remanufactured engine. After the tour there was a quick Q&A session in which I asked Alec Joshi, Cummins Power Generation Business Director, about how the company was approaching future fuels. Hi there, um, Debbie Mason, Maritime Journal. Um, future fuels, and with all of this sort of um, the variety of different potential fuels, methanol, ethanol, HVO, all of these things, how is Cummins approaching what seems to be a, a complete face change in the industry? I mean, you're going to have to change everything in your factory, have the testing will have to change. I mean, this is going to be massive, isn't it? Yeah, I think uh, that's a great question, uh, and a lot of this is happening to decarbonize uh, our economy, and Cummins is actually working very hard to sort of figure out how do we do it. Uh, uh, most of our products are B20 compliant today. Uh, our products are HVO compliant as well, and we are also looking, fuel is one aspect, and we can talk later about other things that Cummins is doing from a decarbonization perspective. But what we want to offer is flexibility with the type of fuel that can be used. Uh, and then I think there is also talk about hydrogen in future. There's talk about, you know, how do we work with hybrids and other technologies to make sure that we play a significant part in decarbonizing the economy. But is it scary? Because, I mean... <laughs> it, it is, uh, I think there is a lot of change. And this is uh, quite a, the biggest thing that all of us are dealing with. 
and Cummins is in the middle of it because we make engines and sure. the technology is changing. So I think most of us are spending disproportionate amount of our time <laughs> to just figure this out. And it will be, it will be difficult. There'll be a lot of uh, technologies which will come, might fade away. There'll be some technologies which will really develop well. Uh, and different segments might use different technologies. So you've seen already in automotive, especially in the lower range, batteries are really, really very popular. Uh, and that technology, especially in Europe, is going to be very, very strong. Uh, our buses mostly have moved to uh, batteries as well. So I think different segments will go different ways, and Cummins is, you know, uh, investing in a lot of these different technologies to make sure that they're successful in all these different segments. It might actually be potential, mightn't it? Mining? It might actually be a potential because you've got all these different other yes, areas. Yes, yeah. it's, it's, it's the thing that can completely pivot us to a different space altogether. Thank you. Later, I spoke to Director Marine Cedric Merveilleux, who is responsible for marine sales in Europe. The company is looking at the very issue of future fuels. Yes, Cummins is working with a consortium of companies uh, to develop a dual fuel solution for our QSK60 engine. This, this work is part of the SEVI-funded uh, work to decarbonize shipping in the UK. The partners are Ocean Infinity, Cummins, Proman and the Port of Aberdeen. This is an important element to our technology bridge strategy to allow for decarbonization to start sooner and to allow for retrofit on existing fleets. Initial application for that technology, so dual fuel methanol, will be an offshore SOV uh, with a distributed power system using multiple engines and batteries to provide power to the vessel. The vessel will use HVO and methanol to substantially reduce the carbon footprint of the vessel. That project aims to develop the engine in the test cell in 2024 and we hope to do the field test somewhere in 2025. For Maritime Journal, that was me, Debbie Mason, in Krakow. Thank you for listening to the Seaworker Chronicles podcast by Maritime Journal. Follow us to make sure you don't miss any future episodes.